Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 134 here in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you. And before we get to the Cult of Hockey's David Staples, I got to tell you to make sure and go down and see the gang at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. Get a no-charge winter performance package on most cars, trucks, and SUVs, plus 0% financing on Ford F-150s and select SUVs as well. Brent Ridge is an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction, and they've got some screaming Black Friday deals on F-150s right now as well. Call one 877 4776-3673, rather, or visit BrentRidge.com. All right, pleased to be joined on our River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by David Staples. And David, if you can hear me, if I press this button. I can hear you. There we go. Okay, perfect. I figured it out. Uh, a lot of storylines last night for the Oilers versus the Sharks. Uh, I thought there was a great forecheck. I thought the goaltending was sublime. The secondary scoring stepped up. What was your biggest takeaway from that win against San Jose? It's the kind of game, Brendan, that the Oilers would have definitely, definitely, definitely lost in the decade of darkness plus. It's just it's just had all the markings of, you know, the Oilers getting stopped in San Jose previously, needing to come in, needing to, you know, having a tough game against Dallas, needing to reestablish themselves as a, as a team that can actually win some games when they need to win the game and losing it. That's what would have happened. So what hit me the most was that, that, that's that's not at all what happened. In fact, the orders they're checking off every single box as a team right now. Every single question that we had going into the season and doubt, and there was major doubts, and everyone had them because we all know there's good reasons to have had, <laughs> have doubts and had them. They're checking them all off, including and and finally, secondary scoring's coming in the last. Uh, so in the last uh, nine games, the bottom tier forwards on the Oilers. It's about 11 guys in that group. They've scored 10 goals. In the last nine games, those guys have scored 10 goals. And I figure if, these, if, you, if you're kind of third and fourth line guys that are scoring a goal a game, they're doing their job in the NHL. And that's what we're actually getting. It's kind of amazing. Zach Cassian, to me, has been one of the biggest reasons the team, David, has had so much success, not only because of what he's done on the ice, but I'm, I'm getting a sense just from being in there after the games and that sort of thing, and the way that he is talking to the media, that there might have been a step taken forward off the ice as well with him as a leader. What do you think of what he's meant to this group here this season? It's been nothing short of astonishing. I mean, there's been all kinds of storylines, like Koskinen's play, Ethan Bear's play, and Cassian's play. I think those are the three biggest surprises. 
So, so Zach Cassian, um, when you look at even strength scoring from uh, 2017 to 2019, I think that's two full seasons, even strength scoring for forwards, Zach Cassian ranked 333rd for NHL forwards. This year, he's 38th overall. He, he's up there with people like uh, Jack Eichel, Tyler Sagan, Anzi Kopitar, Patrick Liney. That's how he's scoring at even strength. So he, he's, he could well be the most improved player in the NHL this year. Also, arguably one of the best bargains, definitely one of the best bargains because he's paid as a, as a third liner and he's scoring like a, a first liner. So, and he's also, and he's under, underrated. Like he's just, he's, it's kind of amazing. Plus he's got that X factor, Brendan, you know, like, you know, he's got that Baba Yaga on the ice. He just scares the heck out of everybody out there. Uh, just ask Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, so that's an interesting one to me, David. And I'm wondering if how how far along are we into the season before we determine that this isn't fool's gold? It's a contract year. We know that players will typically uh, have a, a career year in that circumstance. Um, you know, Cassian's trying to basically sell himself as a different kind of player than he had been to this point in his career with the way that he's performing, and that's not always easy to do this late in someone's career. It's it's a really tough question. And so Zach Cassian, he's been plagued with inconsistency in the past. He's never had more than 30 points uh, in a season, not once. He had 26 points last year. This year, he's already got uh, 16 points in 23 games. So is it going to last? And, and the, the other question, is he going to get paid for it? Because we saw Patrick Maroon have a couple pretty good seasons, season and a half or whatever it was with uh, – McDavid and Dreisaitl, and he had a hard time cashing in on that. I have a, I have a feeling, though, it's going to be different with Cassian. I suspect that he is going to be able to hang in there this year. He just, I mean, he's doing it so far. He's, um, he's been good, solid 23 games in a row. Um, he, he's, he's scoring without getting any power play time. He's scoring at even strength. Um, if he doesn't get nicked up or injured, uh, you know, I don't see any reason he's not going to get in that 40 to 50 point category. Most of those points at even strength and I think he, he he's more likely to get paid than Patrick Maroon did because Maroon was kind of a slow Maroon's a slow player he's a below average NHL skater where Cassian is fast now it's it's such a it's going to be such a conundrum for the letters about what they do in terms of how how much they're going to pay the guy I'm not so worried about his cap hits for the next few years as I am worried about term because he is going to be I think he's 28 almost 29 now yeah. So um, that's going to be the big issue for the owners. Are they going to step up on term? And what is Cassian going to accept? Is he, would he accept a year less or two years less on his contract to stay in Edmonton and keep playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl possibly? And so we'll see how it plays out. The good news is we, you know, if he doesn't, if he's not consistent through the rest of the year, the owners know that, and they will they will be paying less for the player in the future. Chatting with the Cults of Hockey's David Staples here on Oilers Now. David, another contract that drew the ire of Oilers fans uh, last season was Miko Koskinen's four four and a half million dollar cap hit. Now, compare and contrast for me, if you will, how you felt about it then and what you're thinking about it now, given his play this season. Well, Brendan, I've been kind of sheepish because when they signed him, I was kind of positive about it, <laughs> and that looks like, like such a bad thing for for a long time, right? Because Almost, you know, he had already had a bad spell, and then he had a couple of good games, and they signed into that big deal. And I was kind of like, well, you know, the goalie market's pretty tough, and it's hard to get a starting goalie, and he's had some good spells, so I'm kind of in favor of this. And then I felt bad 
for the rest of the year because he had such a terrible end of the year and his glove hand looked so suspect and hang into the year. I had as many doubts as anybody. But, I mean, he's got the eighth best save percentage in the NHL right now. Mike Smith um, has got the 12th best save percentage. They, the Oilers have arguably kind of the best one-two punch uh, for goalies right now. And so we're all holding our breath, you know, are the NHL shooters going to find a way to exploit Koskinen as they did last year? Is this about to fall off the tracks? But this rotation seems to be really working. And when you look at Koskinen, I mean, he looks, you know, he looks like he looked at his best last year, which was kind of the second coming of Ken Dryden. So that's too much to hope. But um, it's been it's been fantastic so far. And who knows? We can't say what the future holds with, with any of these players. But uh, so far, so good. We'll wrap up with this, David. Um, I know you've written about the the Taylor Hall rumors to Edmonton. Now I'm hearing rumors that maybe he goes one for one for Johnny Goudreau. Uh, it, it's out there that he might not be a devil next season. But honestly, I think if the if the secondary scoring is going to step up to the plate a little bit more, the need for a Taylor Hall on this Oilers roster is getting less and less. Is that a, a fair assessment to have? The, the interest might be dying down the better the team plays as a unit. I just don't see the, like, I honestly don't see the fit because of the salary cap issues. I mean, the owner's going to, if this owner team keeps playing well, they're going to have to sign Ethan Bear. They're going to have to sign Zach Cassian. Um, they've got a whole, uh, you know, a whole number of players who they're going to have to sign. Where do they get the money to bring in a player like Taylor Hall and pay for that? So it's not like they don't want Taylor Hall, and it's not like he wouldn't be exactly what the Oilers need to you know, be a Stanley Cup favorite in years to come. Taylor Hall would make them that. You know, a, you know the one-two punch of McDavid, Dreisaitl, followed up by Hall and R&H. That's, like, amazing. But you have to think, in terms of New Jersey, they're, they're looking for the, the team that's the most desperate and is going to pay the most. So that team is a team that has cap space and prospects. Now, I think the Oilers might have the prospects now to make such a trade. They can move an Evan Bouchard for instance, and that's, that's the kind of the, the ugly high price it would take. But the owners don't have the cap yet. I don't see them having that amount of money going forward. So it just doesn't seem like, in terms of the market, the owners are going to be positioned in the market well enough to make the best bid for Taylor Hall. It doesn't make sense for them, I don't think. David, I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. We'll do this again soon, okay? Good to talk to you, Brennan. Likewise, that is the Cult of Hockey's David Staples. You can find his work in the Edmonton Journal. Uh, we're going to get a hold of John Shannon here in just a minute. The NHL general managers had a meeting yesterday. A couple of storylines coming out of that are just things that we should address. We'll do so with our NHL insider when we come back on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. It is Brendan Escott in the big chair this afternoon. Bob traveling with the team from San Jose to Los Angeles where they will take on the Kings tomorrow night. That game here on 6.30. Chad, it's an 8.30 puck drop, 7 o'clock for your City Ford face-off show. Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 14 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. I do not have an Escott recommendation, though I will say this. I'm not a pineapple on pizza guy. John Shannon, if you were to have a pizza in front of you right now, assuming you were interested in such a thing, would there be pineapple on it? I am always interested in pizza at any time of day. 
Brendan. Good. Uh, and I am not shy of a ham and pineapple pizza. All right. So we're going to respectfully agree to disagree because the next 12 minutes of radio could be disputing that. Um, but we're going to start with the NHL general manager meeting. They had their annual November meeting yesterday uh, with a couple yep. of things of emphasis. I understand that you had a little bit of intel on this, but the offside review, I think, was one of the more contentious uh, topics after Charlie Coyle had a goal called back. Now there's an issue of possession on a play like that. Uh, just maybe give us the Coles notes of what happened there. Well, I mean, possession is an interesting one because we've seen it in the playoffs, at least when, when this, this type of thing gets controversial about whether the guy, any player who has the puck, does he have, even though it's not on his stick, is he entitled to call it possession? And I think trying to redefine what possession is, I, for one, in that Coyle situation uh, with the Bruins, I, for one, thought Coyle, in my interpretation, did have possession and I can assure you at least half the general managers assumed he had possession uh, if he didn't if they said he didn't have possession then it was offside uh, because he he, tr he went in before the puck did by millimeters but he went in um, so that definition I mean we're still talking about the plane of the goal we're still talking about so many things what you have to understand too uh, uh, Brendan is the November meeting really sets the table for March so this is one where the the 31 general managers and the league people including the commissioner and and Bill Daly and Colin Campbell and Mike Murphy and that group start to throw out, out ideas for new rule changes and for uh, interpretations uh, nothing can happen this year uh, so what they need to do is start these ideas of throwing out what should happen uh, with uh, these types of, of offside in this situation and this is not a new one. Colin Campbell has been trying to, I, I think, for the last five or six years to change the interpretation of the offside to be that of a plane so we don't worry about whether the skates in the air or not uh, but he's had resistance both internally and externally at every one of these meetings. It's interesting how much of a journey it has been since the implementation of this rule and video review around it. I mean, it wasn't ever going to be a perfect process, but I don't know if, if even the smartest of pundit would anticipate that it would take this much tinkering to get it right. I guess the game could just be that circumstantial, right? Oh, it, it, absolutely. I mean, and, and by the way, when, when the managers voted for this review to occur, they were warned that this is what's going to happen. We're going to end up talking about you know, micro inches. We're talking about millimeters. We're talking about uh, interpretation. Uh, when you get into review like this, you are going to talk about minuscule opportunities for the puck to be under control or across the line before the player. And in many ways, they got exactly what they thought they deserved, some people would say, and other people are saying, well, you know what, we need to be better. Um, this is, this, this is a, a, a game, Brendan, where we still have to worry about the puck going across a certain line to be counted a goal. There's no reason to think that we would think anything other than that on other lines on the ice. Did you see the uh, Philippe Dano play over the weekend where he sort of thrusted the puck into the net and they deemed that a kicking motion? I, I doubt that that yes. was, was brought up at the meetings, but what did you think of that scenario? I think if you want goal scoring up, if it's not a direct kicking motion with the foot, maybe you consider that letting that be a goal, but what do you think? Well, uh, I, 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 can, uh, I wasn't in the meeting yesterday, but I can almost guarantee at some point it did come up, uh, even just in, in rough conversation. 
Um, the, the bottom line is, the way the rule book is written right now, you cannot propel the puck in from a glove. You, it, 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 the kicking motion, there was certainly a, a motion. You can't, you can't kick it in from your thigh. It can bounce off your thigh, but you can't have that kicking motion with your thigh. And, that, and that's how the interpretation is. And until somebody tells hockey operations they want the interpretation changed, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. It, lots of people don't like these kind of calls. And we, you're right, we all want goal scoring up. Um, but right now, they are all they're doing is reinforcing the rule book and the case book as they've been told to. One more storyline I want to touch on before we let you go, John, as we chat with our NHL insider, John Shannon. I understand that they brought the schedule maker into this meeting for the first time in a number of years. <laughs> I'm curious what uh, what the dis or the the issue had been to to cause such a reaction. Well. It, it, truthfully, uh, one of the reasons the schedule maker was there is probably they didn't have very much on the agenda. Uh, that this, the, 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 they feel that the game's in such good shape that there are times when you know what, but everybody was flown into Toronto and they had to create an agenda. And the one thing that will always uh, raise the ire of general managers is schedule. Are they playing too many back-to-backs? What about how do you manage the five days? Are there too many games? or too many days off for certain teams uh, in the, at the beginning of the season. And it all goes back to ga game, uh, building availabilities. And if you want to give uh, building availabilities early in the season, you're going to get lots of games. If, you're, if you don't want to, like Lou Lamorello does not like playing games in October, November against football, his teams, whether they be in New Jersey or in, in, on Long Island, uh, his teams play a lot of games in the second half of the season. Uh, and so the, the schedule maker, his name is Steve Hatsipetros out of Montreal, who does a brilliant job, uh, would be would get the wrath of 31 men yesterday as they complained about back-to-backs, as they played, complained about travel. But when you have his job and you have to respect and maintain contractual obligations to Rogers uh, for Wednesday night hockey and hockey night in Canada and Sunday nights and hometown hockey and NBC and TVA in French, you are going to have a lot of people mad at you. John, thank you so much for the time. We'll connect soon. I am buying you a ham and pineapple pizza, Brendan, and we're going to enjoy it. All right. Uh, I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but I appreciate the gesture, John. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. That is our NHL insider, John Shannon. So there you go. It was basically a table setter yesterday for what's going to come up at the March meetings from the NHL general managers. I don't think that there's necessarily anything glaring, at least on the surface, that needs to be changed. But a lot of it is, you know, the rules are in place. Now, how do we refine them to get the best out of our great game? To this day in Oilers history we go. That's brought to you by New West Travel. You can join Oilers now on a great road trip to Chicago. It includes a tour of Soldier Field. You'll get to watch the game at the United Center with great lower bowl game tickets. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. On this day back in 2001, when I was just a wee tyke, Tommy Sallow records his 28th career shutout, which was his 14th with the Oilers, and that tied a franchise record for shutouts set by Kurt. Curtis Joseph, the Oilers beat the visiting St. Louis Blues 2-0 at Skyreach Center. It was Eric Brewer and Johan Hecht with the goals for Edmonton. We've got the Oilers and Kings tomorrow night from the Staples Center. Bob Stoffer will be back with you to preview that one from L.A. tomorrow. Our usual time slot, 12 o'clock, of course.
You will hear from Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque. You'll hear from Sportsnet's Brian Burke as well, presented by our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. You know who else we got coming up tomorrow? Gretzky's bodyguard, Marty McSorley, will check in as well. Veteran of both Oilers and Kings back in his day. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports tonight on 6.30, Chad, from 6 to 8 p.m. Up next, we've got a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30, Chad, Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Brendan Escott saying it's always a pleasure hanging out with you so long from the 6.30, Chad Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad.